each of us has varying levels of fear of saying the wrong things, so much so that we can become mute, unwilling to speak at all. Instead of trying to find something clever to say, base your speech on God's truth. If you desire to have a new way to communicate, it's time to go the second mile in filling your speech. Hey, this is Travis Sangu. Thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we are a group of disciples who really desire to live out what Matthew 5.41 says. That instead of uh, living your life by being forced to go one mile, doing the bare minimum, if you will, uh, you want to go the second mile, do over and beyond what's expected of you, uh, what maybe the law requires, and you want to do what grace enables you to do. So we have been looking at this passage in Jeremiah 1 and really thinking about what does it mean that sometimes when you feel like what God may be calling you to do, uh, that there can be different fears that can mobilize you, right? Like uh, God reminded Jeremiah that he was chosen and he'd been formed in the womb. He'd been set apart for a certain task and appointed to a certain uh, ministry even before he had ever like took his first breath outside the womb. And Jeremiah came back with all these kind of protests, right? Like he's he he wasn't a good communicator. He was a young man, and uh, and God reminded him, "Hey, don't 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 give me your excuses here. Uh, you'll you'll go where I send you, and you'll say what I tell you to say. Um, and also that for this, you don't have to be afraid of anyone because God was going to be with him to rescue him, and the Lord had declared that over his life. But there's this next part in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, where God kind of lays it out of how Jeremiah is supposed to speak, right? So if Jeremiah is concerned of, I don't know what to say, I'm not really good at communicating, uh, God says, well, I got a script for you. I know exactly what you ought to you need to say, right? This isn't Jeremiah having to come up with a good uh, speech for speech class or learning how to be a good orator or, co- or coming up with his own information. No, no, no. God actually was going to give him exactly what he needed to say and point him in the right direction. And he does the same for us today as well. So as Jeremiah had given his protest, given him his complaint, hey, God, I can't speak, I'm not good at speaking, don't even know what to say, uh, God originally had said, hey, look, you're going to go where I tell you to and, and basically say what I tell you to say. But then in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verse 9, he says it this way. This is the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, and then verse 10 says, see, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. What a picture, right? God actually touches Jeremiah's mouth and says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to actually give you the words that you need to say. And as you go, uh, you don't have to worry about coming up with something clever to say, something memorable, something iconic. You just need to say what it is that I tell you. I'm preaching through the book of Exodus right now at our church and taking all year to do it. And it's so interesting how many times God looks to Moses and said, you go and tell them this. Moses wouldn't have to come up with a speech that would kind of rally the troops or you know, really impact the leader to do God's bidding. No, God was going to say, just say what I tell you. 
In reality, that's what he's telling Jeremiah. That's what he tells us, that we don't really have to come up with something because guess what? God's word says it all. God hasn't left us without a script. I think it's probably why later on in Jeremiah's book, he writes down in chapter 15, verse 16, these words. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart for I bear your name, O Lord God of armies. I love that, right? He just like... um. It's like I'm taking this, these words of yours and I'm consuming them myself. And you know why? Because they weren't a burden to me. They weren't drudgery. It says your words became a delight to me. They were the joy of my heart. I mean, you could go into like Psalm 119. He talks about how much he loves the law. Like who kind of, who does that? That sounds so weird because we sometimes feel like the word of God is oppressing us. But no, it's it liberates us. And so Jeremiah goes, I found your words and I ate them. I consumed them. I couldn't get enough of them. They became a delight to me. The absolute joy of my heart. Why? Because I bear your name. I'm I'm associated with the Lord, the, the God of armies. He has made me. He's made my mouth and he's provided all that we need to say. Now, with this, what happens is a lot of times we can be concerned with, what well, I'm not a good speaker or I don't have anything notable to say, but can you have the, the concept here that is so, so needed for many of us, instead of trying to create something new and catchy and iconic and clever, just speak what God has already spoken. Let's get back to the word because... This world does not need your opinions. It needs God's truth. And so with this, what you can start doing is to actually fill your mouth with the very words of God. So therefore, when you speak, it's no longer you who is speaking. It's God speaking through you. And I can promise you that God's eternal truth is a lot better than my temporal opinions. And so if we do uh, commit to speaking God's word rather than our opinions, what's going to happen is exactly what's said in verse 10. It says that there's going to be these nations that he's appointing Jeremiah over, appointing him over nations and kingdoms. Now, you got to know the context, Jeremiah, his whole message is going to be to uh, his people, God's people, that they need to get right uh, really quickly or else. And then there comes a point in the book where he's saying, God has said he's going to judge us and there's going to be a people that are even worse than us are going to come in and humiliate us. And so Jeremiah is going to have a front row seat to the rising and falling of nations. And even that means the devastation that will be the land uh, of, of Canaan, uh, God's chosen place with God's chosen people, he's going to see not that nation rise, but that nation fall. And he's saying, your words are going to be over that. And I'm appointing you over these nations and kingdoms. And we're going to see uprooting and tearing down. We're going to see destroying and demolishing. But we are also going to see this building and this planting, like verse 10 says. See, what happens is, is that in this case, God is saying that one life, speaking the words of God, is more durable than the greatest nation on earth. Folks, nations rise and kingdoms fall, but God's word remains forever. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says that in a way that the grass withers, the flower fades, and the word of our God stands forever. 
Do you understand that many of the superpowers that are mentioned of in Scripture don't even have geographical lines anymore? Yeah, empires that were huge uh, movements in their time are just a footnote on the pages of history, and yet God's Word remains. The nations have fallen. The kingdoms are splintered, and they're nothing but just a memory and a historical account. But God's Word, it it remains forever. It's more durable. He says, Jeremiah, I'm appointing you over that. So when I give you my words, it's actually going to transcend your time, transcend your culture, which maybe would give some of us hope here today to realize that the policies of the culture in which we live will not carry over into eternity. You may have noticed this, but our world, our society, our culture is now changing on a dime. Things that were unthinkable five years ago in our culture are things that are supported and if not emphasized by the media, um, they are supported and trying to make uh, legislated by politicians and almost uh, force-fed that if you don't follow along with this trend that is two weeks old, you're on the wrong side of history. And yet, on the other side of that stands God's Word that transcends time, that transcends culture, that transcends people groups, that transcends socioeconomic backgrounds, all of these things that all of the nations, all of the concepts, all of the even worldviews itself, they have a shelf life. And, and it's not going to be eternity. But God's word will remain. So that's why when Jeremiah would speak, he would say, look, you're going to see your nation fall, but one day the nation that defeated you, they'll fall. And God's people will remain a remnant will, but throughout all of it, my word will guide it. See, truth knocks down these godless constructs that exist in our world, and it erects his structures, godly structures, that God's building something, he's planting something, and it's got a lot more staying power than well, the concepts of this world will give us, and as they change from day to day. So what comes down to is, for you thinking about, I don't know what to say to my friend who's far away from God. I don't know what to say in a situation where somebody's marriage is falling apart. I, I don't know how I should encourage somebody if they're struggling with anxiety. What if I were to take the pressure off of you today to say this? You don't have to come up with something to say, because God has already spoken. In his word, he has provided us with the truth that our souls really are craving. And to give people my opinions is honestly doing a disservice to them. So the question comes up, do I know what God's word says? And am I willing to share that word with others? And I could turn it to you, right? Do you know what God's word says? And are you sharing that word with others? I've come a long time to know that years ago when people would ask me questions about what do I think about God, that, you know, when I say, well, I think God is kind of like this, or I think somewhere in the Bible it says something like this, or I believe such and such exists, that's a, a, maybe a small way to weight something. But there's something different when I can say, let me tell you what God says about that situation. And even if I struggle with it, and maybe even if you don't agree with it, it's God who's spoken, and this is his word. And instead of me giving you uh, an opinion or something that you could tweet about, let me just give you what God's word says, and then you can wrestle with that. If you're trying to figure out what to say in this life, maybe replace your opinions with God's truth. Get to know his word. I hope to see you on the second mile.